Hey everyone, this is Amos for Just Being Amos Podcast. Today's guest is Marv Bagley. Marv Bagley is an artist for Marvel. He has done work on Amazing Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man. He also did work for DC. I had a great time um, doing this podcast with him. I hope you guys enjoy. Hey everyone, this is Amos from Just Being Amos Podcast. Today's guest is Mark Bagley. Hello. How you doing today, Mark? I'm good. Cool, 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 cool. Well, guys, you know, I'm a big fan of Mark. You know, I've known Mark for how long, Mark? About 15 years or so. 15 years or so. Cool. Since you were skinny? Yeah, I gained some weight, man. Yeah, yeah. enjoying the club. <laughs> yeah, it's probably getting old, man, but I'm not going to tell the people how old I am. So anyway, so Mark. Amos, how long have you been working in the business? That's a really original question. Nobody's ever asked me that. This is that kind of podcast, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna do a personal podcast at the same time. I got to have an interview. I've been you, doing comics since 1983 or so. 1986. About 30 years in next year. 30 years. 30 years, ish. Ish. Mm-hmm. 30 years ish. Okay. Okay. So, I'm a, another question is this. As a kid, have you ever thought about being doing something like this? Or you had other aspirations, it's you know? It's all I wanted to do. Drove my father nuts. Yeah. So I got I to, you know, I got to explain my situation. I was one of seven kids, five, six boys and one girl. She's the youngest. Uh, my dad's a military guy. He's a lieutenant colonel in, in the Army. Right. And... He's cool guy. I mean, it wasn't like he was like Mr. G.I. Joe type guy. He was very cool. But my parents had no idea what to do with him because I was the only one interested in art in the entire family. I got a twin brother who, when we took him, Patty and my wife and I took him to see the Thor, uh, the Avengers movie, the first Avengers movie, came out of the theater. I said, so Mike, how'd you like the movie? He goes, I liked it. He talks like that. And uh, he said, I got a couple questions, though. I said, yeah? Well, like what? He says, so at the end of the movie, the guy with the hammer, he goes home? My wife and I were both like, the guy with the hammer? <laughs> See, they didn't know who Thor is. So that's sort of my upbringing. But I just I fell in love with the comics probably when I was about seven or eight years old. Um, and just started drawing. And, you know, it's, I mean, I was drawing my own comics. And I was, you know, I joined the Army so I could afford art school and get the hell out of the house because, you know, I was 17 years old. And, and you left earlier than I did. Well, I needed to get the hell out of the house. <laughs> you haven't met my mother. I'm. It's a joke, but uh, <laughs> I met your mother. I like her. Uh, it's also a joke. I don't like her. Yeah, you got to uh, <laughs> <laughs> So you know, that's it. Is it's all I ever wanted to do. So that's cool, man. That's cool. So, what was the first comic you ever read? I mean, do you know what issue it was or what? What it was. I don't know what issue. It was Night Mask. Um, wow. I was... Let me, let me tell you the whole story since we got a few minutes here. Uh, basically, I got out of art school. Then I did construction for... Well, I did construction for three years. Right. Um, uh, my wife's family was, was all involved in construction, house house framing, building. 
And so I worked with them. And then uh, right about the time my back went so bad, I couldn't put on a tool belt anymore. Right. I'd fallen off a couple of roofs. Damn. Uh, not roofs, roofs. Roofs. Uh, <laughs> I got a job at Lockheed, new technical illustration. I did that for three years. And during that three years, about a year and a half in, um, Marvel came out with the Marvel Trial Contest. And it was a... It was a book that was basically done in sections, and it was a full-size comic book pages, which are 11 by 17, and um, each sec, it started off with a finished comic. J.R. Jr. did the actual, it was a Spider-Man story, and then every three or four pages, first it dropped off, I think, the coloring, then it dropped off the lettering, then it dropped off the inking, so it had like just blue line pencil right. for, for an inker, and then it dropped off the pencils, blank pages with a, with a plot, and... My part, it was, you know, I don't want to be a pencil to do that. And saw at this bookstore that I go to, Dr. Nose down here in Marietta. And the guy who owns the store is a friend of mine, Cliff Biggers. And um, I wasn't going to buy it because it was $19. And I thought it was a gimmick to take money from kids. And I was getting kind of burned out. I wasn't going to be one of these 30 year old guys. You can shut me up anytime you want to. No, keep going, Mark. Come on. I wasn't, it's all about you, man. I wasn't going to be one of these 30 year old guys walking around a convention going, hey, look at my stuff if it wasn't going to happen. I was 27. I had a wife and a kid in the house. A good job at Lockheed, which I didn't know a year and a half later I was going to be getting laid off. Um, and I just, you know, if it wasn't going to happen, it wasn't going to happen. So he's. Cliff knew all this, and, and he gave me the book. He said, look, if you don't do this, you'll hate yourself. And I won first place. Isn't that pretty cool, though? You have a friend that's pushing you and saying, you try this. Yeah, and, like and we're, we're pushing you to get your certificate and be oh, a no, teacher. Oh, no, we're not going to talk about we're that. We're not right going to talk about no, that. No, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> so, anyway, you know, I, I did the thing and sent it in and didn't hear anything for like six months. And uh, I was at home one evening, you know, in our little three-bedroom house, and phone rings and some girl from marvel comics and hey you mark bagley yeah you won the marvel trial contest and i'm like oh yeah yeah so got me a trip to new york and i saw the saw all the editors there and they all threw me out of their offices and the last guy i saw on the last day that we were there for three days me and um who won the inking con uh yeah yeah yeah. sorry uh who won the inking um can't remember his name right now because I'm getting old and I haven't thought of him in years. Okay. But uh, anyway, they threw, flew us in for three days, and like I said, they threw us all out of their offices. And you know, and on the last day there, with three hours before the flight, somebody said, hey, "I bet you'd like something to do." I said, "You bet!" And they gave me a, a one shot at the, the, the Night Mask thing, which is a new universe, and it was going down in flames, and they needed people to work on it. So that was my first comic book thing. Night mask. I'm familiar with the new universe. Yeah, you know, we were talking about it one day. Um, night, night. What is not like um, Star Brand, mm-hmm. Star Brand, and the other kind of cast of characters, whatever. But um, after you did that, um, what was your first major book that you did? Well, there's a few steps before you get to your, your first, first major book. I would. Yeah. I did backup stories for like a year, and then I did. Visionaries, which is a toy tie-in comic, which you know about. Oh, of course. I'm, I'm an 80s. I'm born in the 70s, but That's you know, right. you I wearing, got the you, Cobra you wearing shirt You're wearing a th- Thundercats shirt right now. No, it's Cobra, man. I know it's joke. Cobra, but you Come have on. a Thundercats shirt. I, know I, I do. Yes, I do. Exactly. I do. I'm a big geek. Come on, man. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, so I did that. It was little guys in armor who had holograms on their chest, and they could change into yeah. animals or magical animals, and... Uh, it was good training because it was like a team book with all these complicated armors and we had vehicles and everything else. And I had to learn how to do storytelling off a plot with 
all these characters running around. And I think that helped me later on when I did Thunderbolts and the Avengers and stuff. So that was did that for a while, and then I did Strike. I got hired on for Strike Force Mortuary near the end of its run, and I actually did did I think the rest of the Strike Force Mortuary before they canceled it. And then uh, I was doing Captain America backup stories. It was it right at that time? Captain America backup stories. Uh, Mark Grunewald was writing. The, I, I don't know if he's writing the backups or not. I can't remember. Um, but along the way, I realized I wasn't getting. I wasn't advancing my career. I was working too fast and wasn't doing the quality of work I should. And I'd done a couple of Spider-Man backups, and I sort of thought I was next in line to take over one of the Spider-Man books because I knew the editor, yada, yada. Well, I found out in San Diego Con when I was out there that Eric Larson had got it after McFarlane. And, uh, so what year was this? Oh, I have no idea. Don't ask me years. Come on, man. I got this is the year you. that Eric Larson took over for McFarlane. You figure it out. Yeah, because it was another whole new artist that got that time that came about, right? Yeah, the image guys were the all there. Guys, and, right. you know, this is, you know, right, right in that time. And everybody was making, you know, lots of money because it was the boom time and all that good stuff in right. uh, the 90s. It was like 93, I think, something like that, maybe. Maybe. Um, and so I went back home, and my wife had just quit her job because she, I was making enough money. I was working 80 hours a week. Uh, but it's easy work I mean, in my house. We can go into that later if you want to. Yeah, we can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I told her, I said, i got to cut down my output by about a half. And she's like, oh, good timing, genius, because she just quit her job. And uh, But that led me immediately into, almost immediately, uh, was offered New Warriors because Fabian Niciasis saw my my newer stuff on the Captain America backups and saw potential there and uh, and that's that was my first mainstream gig was New, New Warriors. Warriors and it it went really well it was I mean these goofy characters nobody cared about it but Fabian with his writing you know and with, I guess my art was doing pretty good too uh, we that book did really really well for quite a while I, I own one of your books um actually I got it um. A comic convention one day, and um, yeah, it was pretty cool. You had Nova, you had um, Night Thrasher, Night Thrasher, God, which sounds like a guy jerking mm. off at night. Oh my goodness, Mark! You know, I mean, <laughs> Namorita, who you was know, Namor, was cousin at the time or something like that. Namor's cousin or niece, cousin, I cousin, think, right? Yeah. And um, and Firestar and, and Speedball. Speedball and now, Marvel Speedball Boy. was kind of a drug, wasn't it, back in the eighties? Oh, Speedball is a term for a. <laughs> Cocaine and heroin <laughs> cocktail, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think. yeah. <laughs> and, so name uh, Although his original name was supposed to be the Blue Bouncer. Wow. So I think Speedball is actually a better name. But uh, you know, it was fun because I felt like they were my characters. So nobody really cared about them, you right. know. And so I could draw them how I wanted to draw them, you know. And um, it was a team book, so it was good training. And like I said, I was still working eighty hours a week. I mean, right. so. And uh, the editor of that was Danny Fingeroth, who was editing the Spider-Man line. And so I did New Warriors for about a year and a well, I don't know, a couple of years, I guess. And um, the Amazing Spider-Man came available because all the image guys took off. And it, I remember that. And Danny knew that if he didn't give me the Spider-Man book, I'd kill him because I live in Georgia and I have guns. And uh, <laughs> he's from New York and he's terrified of me. And well, the damn uh, stuff in there, son. That's right, exactly, man. <laughs> and... Um, by the way, you're black and you're in my house. How'd that yeah, happen? That, Man, alive. Yeah. He did come in the back door. No, I didn't. No, come in the he back did door. not. No, <laughs> so. I came in the front door. If y'all listening to this, I came in the front door. Exactly. Um, so, he gave me Amazing Spider Man. And, um, so, 
You know, I mean, I remember picking up Amazing Spider-Man, and you was on it, and um, and I picked it up, and I think I was telling you this a long time ago. It wasn't your fault that I stopped reading comics because of um, Spider-Man at the time. Mm-hmm. They had the whole clone saga thing, the clonage, maximum clonage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not care for that, man, at all. Mm-hmm. And like, I want you to, you told me, you was just the artist. I'm just the artist. Just the artist. You was just doing Although your job. I was involved in the actual development of the storyline initially, but it kind of went off the rails and turned into a whole night. Oh. It was supposed to be a tightly wound, you know, like four-month event. Well, there's four books involved, I think. Web, four? Spider-Man. Web, Amazing, Spectacular, and uh, Adjectiveless, maybe. Let's take this regular Spider-Man. Yes, web spectacular, amazing, and adjectiveless, which means there wasn't anything before. I think it may, it may have been only three. Anyway, um, and it just turned into this nightmare that went on and on for I don't know what a couple of years. I think yes, it did, and, and you know, turned into maximum clonage, and you know, so yeah, you can't blame me for that. But no, uh, I don't blame you. It's just but, the fact that it was just it, it was just as a fan reading the comic, you know. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He's not a freaking clone. You know, I mean... The, I know, the, right? You know, I mean, but um, your friend Ben has kind of made it made it kind of good, you know, when he well, did it. But we're going to get to that another, We'll get to get that. that one. We'll get right. to that one. But, um, but you digress. I digress. I do. Right. I digress. So, um, after doing Amazing Spider-Man, you also um, did Ultimate Spider-Man. Right. I did it. It's kind of a good story. Amazing Spider-Man. I was on Amazing Spider-Man for a long time, and like five or six years, seven years, and I'd gone through the clone storyline, and I was just by the end of my run, I was exhausted by it. I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. I wasn't. I just wasn't enjoying the situation I was in. But I was having trouble getting different work at Marvel because Bob Harris was the editor in chief. And Bob was never a fan of my stuff. This is, you know, he denies it, but I've heard it from enough people who are right. in the offices, editors and stuff, that he was putting the squad. He wasn't telling people not to hire me. Right. But the other editors knew that, you know, he's not, he doesn't like his stuff. He's not new. He's not hot. He's not interesting. And um, so I was really getting frustrated, and they took me off of Amazing Spider-Man, you know, which was fine. I mean, you know, it was their right to do it, and I was ready to go anyway, but they didn't have any place really good to put me on. I started doing, like, a web comic, which did never came out, and it was too, too way too early on the web for it to have worked. Yeah, that's I did early. like I did, like, a Star Trek thing, and I did a couple other weird things. And then um, they did the uh, Heroes Reborn thing, where the Image guys all came back and took over all the mainstream Marvel guys. Oh, yeah, like Iron Man, Captain Iron Man, America. Captain America, Fantastic Four, yeah. and... And um, they Marvel decided they were going to launch four or five new books. It was uh, relaunched Power Man and Iron Fist. It was Thunderbolts and a couple others. Kazar, I believe. Kazar, I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, one of the Kubricks drew it. Right. Andy and um, Kurt Busiek was in the editorial meetings for all this stuff. He was writing big time for Marvel then, and he wanted me for Thunderbolts because he was writing Thunderbolts and Harris. Tried to talk to me, you don't want Bagley, he's been around too long, stuff's not hip and cool, you know, and uh, yeah, Kurt was like, yeah, but he he's good, he gets the job done, and he tells the story well, and that's what the story needs, and uh, so they hired me for it, and Tom Brevoort was my editor, and I was really still burnt out, and wasn't happy, and I remember, this is like the only time this has ever really happened in my career, I sent in some pages, and I was really kind of dogging it, I really was, and... 
Tom Brevoort called me on it. He says, look, he says, you need to add some backgrounds in here. This just isn't enough. Right. And I felt really bad. And I said, I, you got it. I'm on it. And, um, and the book took off. And with that last, the first issue, it ended up with Baron Zemo. He's Citizen V or five, or what the hell he is. And, um, so I did Thunderbolts for, I don't know, 25 issues, more than that. Yeah, it was a lot of issues. Like man. almost 50 issues, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so near the end of my run of Thunderbolts, or maybe I'm still on Thunderbolts, um, I got a call from Bob Harris, and Bill Jemison had come in and taken over as whatever he was, publisher, I guess, and they had done the Marvel Knights thing, and so things were in flux at Marvel. I felt like I was sort of oh, off to the side. Oh, they were doing that time. At the I time, yeah. That, yeah. And um, so I got a call from Harris, and he says, hey, we like you. We're gonna. What we're gonna do is we're gonna relaunch this line. It wasn't called Ultimate at the time. It's like I forget what what the line was called. We're gonna do this, these Ultimate books, and we'd like you to do Ultimate Spider Man. It was gonna be a six issue miniseries, and this writer Brian Michael Bendis is writing, who I'd never heard of because he's just doing his indie stuff. And I don't yeah, read that do, many comics. He did Jinx and, and everything Torso, like that, Torso. and a other things. And right. uh, I've read all of it since. And he's of course brilliant, as they say. And um, I turned him down. <laughs> no, I don't really want to do that. But plus, John Byrne had just done Year One with Spider-Man Year One, and that had gone over like a fart in church. And um, I just, you know. And then he called me back. He said, we really want you to do this book. And I said, no, I really don't want to do this six-issue miniseries, or 12 issues. And I think it was six. And um, the third time he called me, he was like, he didn't say it like this, but it was basically laid out, look, you're always looking for extra work in this business, because I can do more than a monthly book. I can do about a month and a half, comfortably. Right. He said, you can forget about trying to get any extra work. We want you on this book, or else, you know. And I said, so I'll do it. So I came on. It turns out, turns out, um, Bill Jemis was a huge fan of mine, which I didn't know. Uh, he had been in charge of a big Spider-Man trading card series that I'd done years before. Or Upper Deck, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't even. You know, I, I don't even remember the details. Like I said, I, I don't know. Right. But I did crap load of cards and the backs and everything, and he just had loved my stuff, and so he wanted me for the book. And so I took the book, and I grudgingly took the book, and. You know, did the and I got the first script, and it's it wasn't the first time I'd worked full script, but it was the biggest script I'd ever seen. It was a double size issue or an issue and a half size, and the script must have been sixty pages long. Wow. I mean, it was one double page spread with like eighteen panels or something like that, or more than that, like double that, like thirty six panels, because it was one of these Brian's little things. And I was just not happy. And I'm drawing it, and I'm drawing. It. I'm doing the best I can. I mean, you look back at it, it you know. I was putting my effort into it, yeah. But I wasn't happy about it. I was going to leave. I was, you know, six issues. I was going to be done. And um, I remember even that double page spread that we had. It was basically this killers trying to run down Peter Parker just after he's gotten his powers, and Peter's spider sense goes off, and he leaps over the van and takes off running. I said, I'm not drawing this 36 panel. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so I think I cut it down to like, you know, maybe. 12, 14 panels, something like that. Not ever having talked to Brian. Right. You know, who has since become one of my best friends in the business. We've collaborated it's, for decades. See, that's my next question to you is how is working with Brian? He's, he's a dick. <laughs> he's bald. He looks like a little penis. Um, no, but uh, 
we started talking more over the phone, and Brian's very enthusiastic and very loves what he's doing, and he seemed to really be enjoying what I was doing because you know he's got this real indie sense, but I'm I'm very mainstream, right. and it seemed to really click. And he was really open to me changing sequences and changing kind of storytelling. And he would go into a script, and he said this more more than once that he would get pages and then drop script because the pages told the story so well. And uh, but the sixth issue. I was working on it, and um, I forget exactly how it worked out, but I was done with my six issues, and I told him I didn't want to do any more. And right. the first issue came out. I think it was issue five, maybe, I was working on it. Issue one came out, and it was beautiful. The coloring was beautiful. The inking was great. It was on fine paper, which I'd never been on before. The new, new, you know, That was a new thing, yeah. Right. And the fans loved it. You know, and the first issue came out. I didn't even know about the fan reaction yet, but my friend Cliff, the guy who gave me the comic book shoot news thing 14 years before, 12 years before, said, look, if you, if you should stay on this book. Once again, you uh-huh. stepped up. Sense to you. And um, so I called the office. I called my editor, Ralph Macchio, and uh, I said, Ralph, I said, I know I turned it down. I think I just turned it down like a day or two before. And... Uh, he said, I'd like, if it's not too late, I'd like to stand on the book. And he goes, thank Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? He says, because uh, Bill Jemis found, found out you weren't on the book. And he stormed in the office. Says, who the fuck fired Bagley? Who <laughs> <laughs> fired me? You didn't want to be on the book. And so um, I stayed on the book. And I was on that book for 111 issues. So I think. And it was the longest run of a mainstream on a mainstream book of a writer and artist without a villain. Before that with Jack Kirby and Stanley. Yeah, they did hundred and one issues of Fantastic Four. Right. So yeah. And uh there is some consistency in behind that's just consistent yeah. yeah, and considering Jack Kirby was also doing three other books and covers and everything else at the time, you know, I mean you know, it's pretty ma- pretty amazing. Hey, there you go. Mm-hmm. So Working with Ben, doing Ultimate Spider-Man and everything like that. He also came to you with an idea about doing a book called Brilliant. Well, that's way down the road. That's way down the road. That's right? way down the road. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did. No, it's not actually way down the road from that point. After you know, I was doing Amazing Spider-Man for years. For like ten years, it was like in the top five selling books and comics. Did yeah, you get I mean, an award for that? I got a couple of yeah, stupid Wizard awards. You know, <laughs> but uh, Wizard. Yeah, Wizards back in the day. Yeah. But, uh, I I was starting to get kind of, you know, I was ready to leave Ultimate Spider-Man. Not because I wasn't enjoying the book, but I'd been on Spider-Man for so long I felt like it was time to do something else. And Marvel, I'm sure they don't feel this way, but it's true. You know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And I'm so proficient at what I do and I'm such a, you know, professional at what I do that... You know, I think they started to take me for granted some. So my contract came up, and um, I had been talking to Kurt Busiek about coming over to D.C. and maybe doing some stuff with that. And I was really interested in working on either Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman because I really wanted to, you know, I didn't want to jump off of Spider-Man and do, you know, uh, name somebody. Martian Manhunter. I like Martian Manhunter. Oh, you do? Yeah, I like Martian Manhunter. But anyway, uh, you know, <laughs> the question or some damn thing. Um, and... Uh, so I'd come to the point where I was actually got pretty serious about talking to him about it. I hadn't talked to DC. It wasn't formal. I wasn't doing anything behind Marvel's back because I was exclusive with Marvel. 
But my contract came up, and then Marvel offered me. I can't tell you what they offered me, but anyway, yeah, you don't need to. Patty wasn't happy with the offer. My wife, <laughs> and so I called Kurt. I said, "Yeah, I think I'm." I called DC. And actually, I talked to Brian about how to do it because I didn't want to piss anybody off at Marvel because right. it wasn't like they intentionally done anything. It was just time. And he advised me on how to do it and how, how he would handle it and be upfront about it, talk to Joe Casada about it, yada, yada. And um, it was funny. After I told him I was talking to DC, they came back with me another offer with like double the money. And I was like, if you'd offered me this money to begin with, I'd have stayed. Stay, yeah, right. And in the process, Brian mentioned. Um, that, hey, I've got this other thing I'd like to do with you, you know, maybe this this book called Brian. I said, Brian, why didn't you mention this six months ago? Because <laughs> it was too late at that point. I'd already right. sort of, you know, verbally and kind of emotionally committed to doing this thing. He said, well, I'll hang on to it for you. And that was brilliant. Well, I couldn't do it while I was working at D.C. So I went over to D.C. for three years. I signed a three-year contract and started out doing... You can jump in with any questions. Yeah, I mean, stop the me. question. Well, I know there was Batman. I think he did a fill in for Batman. I did three issues of a Batman fill in. Was that before Trinity or? Uh, I think the, it was before Trinity. Yeah, that's my Trinity. first thing, and I, I enjoyed that. It was Judd Winnick, and it was three issues, and it was Clayface and Wolverine, and whoa, and not Wolverine, Clay, Clay, <laughs> Clayface <laughs> and Two Face, and Penguin was in it, and you know, and uh, that was fun, and then. But at that point, Kurt had come up with the idea for Trinity, and it was basically going to be a weekly comic where I did half of it, 22 pages, and I would do 11 pages a week, which is really pushing it for me. And um, You know, I kind of remember that yeah, when you were well, doing In fact, that. that was part of my negotiation. Come yeah. over so, yeah, so they had Trinity, the idea of Trinity before I came over, so that was part of my negotiation. So, look, you guys are going to have to pay me more money because I'm going to be turning down anything else and not having a life for this year. And so they actually did Pony Up, and um, and we took off, and it was 11 pages a week, and we had about a four or five months head start, so I got ahead of it a little bit, but by the end of it, it was like down to the wire. I mean, I was doing two, two or three pages and sent them off to R.T. Bear, and he was inking the hell out of them, and I mean, it was, and then the last couple of issues, Kurt throws in a double page spread with like 86 characters, and and I'm like... I was blowing my mind because it's like there's no way I can draw this and have it look good and come out on time and what the hell are they thinking and why didn't he? and um, my editor on it was uh, oh god I'm drawing a blank on his name because I'm tired but you know he was I called him he's a great guy and I just raised hell with him I was pissed off I was furious <laughs> you know and so anyway we worked it out and the story was over and you know I wasn't thrilled with it but. Uh, well, in the book, um, the characters actually showed up they, in the beginning of the uh, story arc. Then they actually showed up like at the end of the story arc. Yeah, and all through the center, they're gods, and we're on another pl- alien planet. With it, it became everything alternative, altern- alternative universe versions of not even it's a, not even that. It became alternate like magical timeline hoo stuff. It was even part of the multiverse at right. all. Right. One, one even part of the multiverse. And suddenly, you know, Batman I mean Superman, Wonder Woman and Batman are gods with godlike powers imbued upon them. And I'm just like Jesus Christ, you know. Excuse my language. But um Oh, maybe you can say anything you well, want. I know, I know, I know. But uh <laughs> Taking the Lord's name in vain, but on a uh, Sunday, it was frustrating. It really, and I don't blame Kurt or anything. It's just the way it happened. Dan Dio was in there pretty hard, and it was just frustrating. And so, finished that up, and 
they, um, the DO asked me to do JLA mm-hmm. with James Robinson. And I said, JLA, great. I get to do Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Well, no, because Batman's taken, Superman's taken, Wonder Woman's taken. You get to have Donna Troy and Dick Grayson Batman, which is fine. He's, he's Batman. He was Batman at the time. That, that's cool. Superman with Mon-El. At first it was Mon-El, and they took Mon-El from us, and we had to do Supergirl. We couldn't have the Flash, so they gave us Jesse Quick. We couldn't have uh, Green Lantern, so they gave us the Starman, you know, the, the alien with the blue gem on his chest. Right. Uh, they gave us the giant golden monkey, uh, golden gorilla, whatever the hell he is. I mean, it was miserable. I mean, it was miserable. And they wouldn't let James do the stories he wanted to do with the characters he wanted to do. And... I worked my tail off on it. I put in a lot of, I think, good work. But God Almighty, it was just an unhappy time, and I hated the editor I was working for. It's the first time I'd ever said "fuck you" to an editor. And I, <laughs> yeah, I'd quote "fuck you." I'm not redrawing that to an editor, and that's a whole bit another story. Um, and so, you know, I finished up on JLA, and it was about that about time to. Yay! I called Marlo. Said, "Hey, would you guys like to have me back?" And they were like, "Yes." Well, they don't want to turn you down, Mark. Come well, on, they, they love me. You left on, on, on good standing. I did leave on good terms. You and did. Brian was so involved in the whole Marvel Universe and in the Ultimate Universe, and he's such a mover and shaker now in it. And um, yeah, he is. They brought me on. The idea was I would do all new X Men, the Stuart M book. Right. Um, that's what I was going to do, and um, which would have been great. That was such a great book. But Brian also had the idea of killing Peter Parker, ultimate Peter Parker, and with the idea with eventually bringing Miles Morales around. But I didn't even know about Miles Morales at the time. A black Spider-Man? Who'd have thought? He's Hispanic and black. Yeah, now. Hispanic and black. That's right. He's his black. <laughs> He's black. He's his black. <laughs> you know, a black black attic. Yeah. Well, but uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so he asked me to do the death. He thought, what a great way to come back to Marvel Universe, be involved in this six-issue storyline of the death of Ultimate Peter Parker. Right. And uh, I drew my ass off on that. It was a great story, and it was just, you know, I got the best inks I've ever got on it, and I got the, got the best, not all, but best inks, but they're very, very good. And Andy Lanning, I think, inked them. You know, and, you have uh, one of the um, colorists, one of the best colorists. I oh, yeah, I, Justin, Justin Ponser right, yeah. colored it, and he's amazing. And uh, so it's a really just, you know, it's, a lot of times you do you start working on a book and the penciling is the first part. And by the end of it, depending on how good the, the people you're working on are and how much time they have to do it and a lot of other factors, it can look a hell of a lot worse or a hell of a lot better. Yeah, and I've seen that before. At the end of this, you know, process, it always looked one hell of a lot better. And um, so that was great. And, you know, there was, you know I was back at the Marvel Universe. All right, cool. Now, I had a question for you. I think it's a story you need to tell me and the audience and your fans, whatever. Um, your art was on television. Yes. It was tell me that television. story. Okay. So I'm at home. This is about, I don't know, about a year and a half ago, I guess, maybe. And I'm at home, got my feet up. It's a Saturday night because I'm boring and old. <laughs> and it's like quarter to ten or maybe, yeah, ten quarter to ten or ten fifteen. I think ten fifteen. My phone rings. It's my daughter who never calls me that late. She's got three kids, and I'm like, oh, God, something's gone wrong, you know. <laughs> Last time she did this, I ended up in the emergency room with her and, and her three kids, and 
driving home at 3 a.m. The kids were fine, but I driving home at 3 a.m. I got pulled over in my convertible and had to talk my way out of a ticket. You I thought remember I was, that. Said, you swerved a little bit. I said, Dude, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. They're back roads. I'm tired. So uh, anyway, um, the phone rings and saying, hey, Dad, you're on Pawn Stars. And I'm like, what? He says, your, your heart works on Pawn Stars. So by the time I clicked, clicked it on, it was pretty much done. Right. But uh, I got to see it later on. It basically, some guy walks in with a page from uh, the Batman Spider-Man team up I'd done years before. I remember that. With Carnage and Batman and the Joker was mm-hmm. in it. And Yeah, I have to post, I have the cover up on my wall. And um, that'll go for a few bucks one of these days. Yeah. Uh I need a car, so maybe I can sell that. That might actually work. Anyway, um, so uh, the guy comes into this page, and you know they talk to uh, uh, Big Hoss. You know, oh yeah, this is artwork. Yeah, Mark Bagley. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, I don't know that much about comics. You know, you know how they talk. To, they they always try to educate you, like yeah, you're right. an idiot. You know, Spider Man's one of the most iconic characters, and Batman is. Oh, here they are, the same thing together. And oh, okay, but I really want to have an expert look at this. So they called in their art guy, and uh, he comes in, and he pulls it out, and he's like, uh, oh, yes, this is clearly the original page. This is Mark Bagley. He's a, he's a legendary, revered comic <laughs> artist when it comes to Spider-Man. And I was like, I caught no end of shit. I was going to a convention that next weekend. I caught no end of shit for being legendary and revered. But um, except no, that, that means you're getting old. But... Uh, but that's mean that's people love your work though. So anyway, it eventually went for I think the guy was asking like four grand for it, and they eventually I think told you know valued it at like fifteen hundred dollars. They gave him fifteen hundred dollars for it, which is which pretty not, good because it wasn't bad. it wasn't like a splash page. It wasn't, there wasn't any action scenes. It was just basically you know it was one. I don't even know who else on it, but Batman's on it, and I know that maybe Spider Man too, but. Uh, that's not a bad price for it. I mean, fifteen hundred. Yeah, it's a good price. I yeah. think I probably sold it for thirty. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. Because when I heard about that story, I started laughing, man. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. So um, after after working on uh, Spider Man, Ultimate Spider Man, and you and Batman Trinity and everything in DC, and you made it back to Marvel. So what the hell you working on then? I mean, so after I finished up with the Death of Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, the first book I did, I think, was Mighty Avengers. I did, I did a run on that. Uh, it's basically with a whole crap load of Venoms, and yeah, the uh, Doctor Doom, the Doctor um, Doom story. story right. And <laughs> Brian calls me. He goes because he knows how much I hate drawing Carnage and Venom. He calls me. Says, "Hey, you want to do the Avengers?" I said, "Yeah, that'd be great." Got, got six minutes, uh, you know. Um, Story arc, I think it's six issues, maybe four. Uh, says, yeah, says, yeah. But the only bad part is it's multiple venoms and carnage. <laughs> like you, son of a bitch. But um, it was a good story. It was fun. I got to draw a couple of amazing splash page, double page spreads in there with the Avengers fighting Doom bots and stuff like that. I, and once again, the inking was. I think Danny Mickey inked it, and he inked the hell out of it. And the coloring, I think, was Ponzer as well, and it was just amazing. I like his work, man. uh, I really like his uh, work. So I did that, and then I did another, I think I was put on, what the hell? Hold on, one second. Uh, uh, The Fantastic Four, isn't it? I did the Fantastic Four next. Yes, I'm looking at my bookshelf. I have them on my bookshelf in kind of order. 
did Fantastic Four next, and then I did Cataclysm, and I did Fearless, and and it, it, I think last couple of things I've done for Marvel is I did uh, the Omega Hulk with uh, Jerry Dugan. Or Duggan. Duggan. I'm pretty Duggan, sure it's Duggan. Duggan. And he's a hell of a nice guy. And uh, currently I'm on All New X-Men, which is what I was going to be originally on. And I think uh, I think another um, book, uh, it was part of the Secret War, Wars, um, Ultimate End. I did Ultimate End, yeah, that's now, true. Ultimate End came out good, too. Now, Mark, I was looking at Ultimate End. You had a, a page. Like, you had all the Ultimate and the Marvel 616 characters in one page. You don't remember that? Did, oh yeah, I did a few mass a pages few. on that damn book. I mean, it was, so how long does it take you to do that? Oh, that double page short was kind of kind of running running at each other. That. Yeah, that that took a couple of days to draw that. You know, a day and a half anyway. And uh, there's other pages in it because it was Galactus, and I wanted to draw the hell out of Galactus. And if I could go back and do it again, I think I'd tweak my Galactus. I made him look so. Traditional that I think he's a little boring, and because guys are doing Galactus at the same time, and I could see how they tweaked him. And, I, and that's one thing about me being in the business as long as I am. I'm always trying to kind of stay up on what people are doing, right? To keep my stuff fresh. And um, but I mean, I did some amazing cityscapes and whatnot. I did drew my ass off on it, and uh, Scott Hanna inked it, and he did a great job doing that. And Justin Ponzer once again colored it, so. It, Colored the ass off of it. So Scott Hanna been doing the business for a while too, hasn't Scott he? Scott Hanna's been around longer than I have. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's cool. So, so he's <laughs> really old. <laughs> so, what is your um, process? How you begin your day um, when you're doing? Um, I take work? a leak. Yeah, I so, get up. I get up in the morning. Go to the bathroom. Brush my teeth. Take a leak. Make some coffee. Um, I'm at my desk. You know, I check. I jump on the computer for about twenty minutes, half an hour, and. Um, I'm usually at my desk by 7 a.m., 6.30 or 7, um, unless I've stayed up shooting pool or something. And I work really good and solid. I take, you know, I take about 20 minutes for lunch. My wife and I used to play a card game and eat together if she's in town. If she's not in town, I take five minutes for lunch. I just grab something and come back to the desk. And I work in the afternoon till usually... Usually five or six, depending upon whether I'm cooking dinner or going out or whatever. So, in other words, you have like a regular eight-hour day. No, I have a regular six, like ten-hour day. Ten-hour day? But usually it's about ten hours. And I work six days a week and sometimes half a day on Sunday just because, you know, people think, oh, you're so fast. It's like, I just, no, I put my ass in my desk and draw. And I love to draw. I still love to draw. And it's... I don't have a whole lot of other hobbies. When I'm not drawing, it's like I'm sitting in front of the TV vegging or reading a book or whatever. You know, my knees hurt right now, so I can't do yard work. And it's like, you know, um, I still love what I do. I'm, it was funny. Uh, Adam Kubert's a friend of mine, and we, you know, we haven't like hung out tons, but we've, you know, we met each other a lot of times over the years. And I think he likes my stuff. I think he respects what I do. And when his dad was alive, Adam would call his dad and he says, "How does Bagley get so much damn work done?" <laughs> And he told me that Joe Kubert said, well, one thing, he's not calling his dad on the phone asking him questions like that. He's got his ass at his desk, you know. And, uh, you know, that's just because, you know, like I said, I had real jobs. I was in the Army, you know. I did construction for the reason. I got, you know, 90 stitches in my thigh from a skill saw that went, oops, you know. Um, almost severed Little Mark, but uh, no. It never <laughs> didn't touch Little Mark. But... um you know, so I know what it's like to, you know, I, 
and I was 27 before I broke in. So it's like I respected the idea of actually working. A lot of these guys, you know, I mean, back in the 90s, I almost felt bad for them. Guys would come in and they're 17 years old, 18 years old, to get their first gig. And right. Comics, it was the collector's boom, and comics were selling gazillion copies. And, they'd, you know, they'd do one issue of an X-book, and they'd get a royalty check for $50,000 or $30,000. And what is this 18-year-old kid going to do? He's going to go out and blow his mind out. You know, yeah, He's really. going to leave his desk for a month or two or three. He's going to splurge. He's going right, to do that. Me, during that time, I was working my... I, I knew it wouldn't last. But you had the forethought. Just you thinking it's forward, like, though. I, yeah, I wish I'd saved a little bit of money, but uh, we talked to Patty about that. But um, <laughs> That's another, that's another, that's another conversation <laughs> entirely. And, uh, you know, I just... I, I almost felt bad for these kids because it's like... They didn't have the discipline to. They, they they just didn't have a chance to learn the discipline of how how special this kind of job is. Because you know, I I say that I think every seventeen year old kid who wants to be a comic book artist or wants to do something for art should have to work in a summer in Georgia. You know, pounding nails on a cement slab in ninety degree heat with a wife and a kid, thinking that's what he's going to have to do if he doesn't. You know, I mean, because that's what I did. I was. Seriously, if I wasn't going to break in, I don't know what. I, and Lockheed was laying off. I don't know if I couldn't have gone back to construction. Yeah, and I understand what you're saying on that part that, you know, these guys got talent, you know. Mm-hmm. And with this talent, I mean, they do one book at a time and they take forever. I mean, honestly, Mark, I've I seen your work and you are very, very proficient. You know, you, you meet deadlines, you get things done. That's the idea. And uh, that's what I like about you, man, because. It's not you. You get your work done. Your book is out on time. You know, if it ain't you, it's something else. I'm not going to say, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but but that's you. Well, there's an old saw in comics. Uh, you, you have to be two of three things. All right, you can be really fast. You can be really disciplined, or you can be really good. Now, if you're really good and fast, but not disciplined, they love you because you'll get work done. Right. If you're disciplined and really good but not very fast they'll love you because you'll get your work done it may be a little bit slower whatever but they won't use you for very long if you're just really good and will never turn the work in if you're undisciplined they will you know you know and if you're not any good they won't use you for very long and um you know i i pride myself i think i'm at least two out of those three I think I'm pretty good. I don't know if I'm really good, but I'm well, pretty as, good. As a friend, as a fan, I think you got the you got y'all three. And the thing is, you know, like some books, like for instance, like a, it was way back, Batman for um, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Batman. It was done by Finch, mm-hmm. and man, I waited for it. And you know, it's and you know, some artists take forever. Well, you know, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, as a fan, I want my book in that month, not three months. Four months or to a year. Yeah, I think it's underappreciated the fact that, you know, during the course of my Ultimate Spider-Man run, you know, Ultimates was coming out. And for every issue of Ultimates, we must have done ten issues of Ultimate Spider-Man. And so, yeah, every issue of Ultimates came out, it would make a lot of money for the company because right. it sold, it outsold each issue of Ultimate Spider-Man by 30%. But we were doing ten times the work, right. so we were making ten times the money. Now, granted, it's an art form, and I get that, and I love comics as an art form, and but it's also a product. It's also a commercial product, and part of that deal is you have to get the work done on time. Get it to an, if you're not inking it, you got to get to an inker, you got to get to a colorist, got to get to the writer. It's got to be out, and they got to have the time to do their work properly, 
and I think a lot of that's not appreciated. You know, guys like David Finch and and they're terrific artists. I mean, you know, better artists than I'll ever think of being, detail wise, you know, inking whatever. But I don't think they're fundamentally comic book artists. Mm. They're artists who do comics. Right. They're not comic book artists, which sounds like I'm begrudging what I do. But I'll put Jr. Jr. up against any one of those guys, and I'll put mm-hmm. Johnny Sim up against any one of those guys. I'll put me up against any one of those guys when it comes to actually, you know, the skills they can show. I mean, if I could spend three days on a page, it might look like something David Finch would do. It, it, it you know, the, all that would be there. But then, a, I couldn't make a living. Because I don't make, you know, I think how David and a bunch of other guys make their livings is commissions and stuff like that, which isn't what I want to do. Right. You know, and it's the choices you make, so. I totally agree. I totally agree. I totally agree. And another question is this. Would you ever um, think about doing something independently after leaving Marvel? Um, like a creator own thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. If the opportunity would arise, I mean, I did brilliant with with Brian, but we're both so busy in our mainstream regular world. Plus, right. Brian's got fourteen thousand other things he's working on. Man, that guy's and everything. He's man. a machine. Man, um, he does not get any rest at you all. You know, between producing, you know, uh, brilliant. I mean, not brilliant powers, but, uh, powers for TV, and being involved in the Daredevil thing, and I mean, just it's a mess. He's great, but um. I'm not a writer. I just don't see myself. You know, I could come up with a story. I mean, right. you know, who, any, anybody who's semi-educated and you know, I could write a story and have it be, you know, but to do it month after month and do it with quality and that sort of thing, it's just, that's not in me. I've always been a visual storyteller. Put me in front of a canvas with nothing, you know, and tell me to paint something, and I'm like, okay, you know, but give me a story to tell and you know, the, you know, kind of a direction to do and. I love doing that. I, mean, I just got done doing this big, big arc on all new X Men back in ancient Egypt, and you know, there's people running around with horses and swords, and you know, and I haven't drawn horses in years and years and years and years. <laughs> and it took a, it took some doing to get back into doing that, but I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's fun, you know. So, so um, question: I know you go to these conventions and everything like that. Do some people come to you with their art? And it's X for your like opinion of life. yes, they do. I mean, you know, you get that at most conventions. You get you know people come up for their a portfolio review, that sort of thing. And you know, I'm happy to do it. And I'm not the best at it because I don't do it all that often. I don't do many conventions, that many conventions. And um, most of the time, they're so bad it's hard to find anything to say because I don't want to crush somebody's dream. But you know, usually it's like holy crap. But you know? in my recollection, though, I, I think you did someone like that one time. Though. Oh yeah, yeah, well there you go. <laughs> yeah. So here's yeah. all right. So uh, Mark Brooks is a really good friend of mine. He's real good friends with my daughter. Um, Mark is an incredibly talented guy. He's quite a bit younger than I am. He hadn't been in the business nearly as long, and so but he's. About what three years ago, four years ago, we were sitting around Charlotte in Charlotte for the Heroes Con, which I'm going to be at this year, and um, it's Brooks and me, and Amos was there, and my daughter was there, and just our crew of friends, and we're sitting around drinking beers and telling stories, and and we I think we started talking about portfolio reviews, and Mark says, "You don't remember giving me a review, do you?" <laughs> and everybody kind of went, "Yeah, because like, I can be on? a smartass." Yes, you can, and. I said, I gave you a portfolio review? He said, yeah. He said, before I got into business, I I showed you my stuff. 
and it's dead quiet in this place. And everybody's like, and he's like, and I said, so how did that go? <laughs> he said, I, I didn't draw. He said this, right? Yeah, he did. I didn't draw for a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, he was in the press or something. He like said, that. I didn't draw for a year and a half. I said, everybody goes, <gasps> I said, what did I, was I a dick to you? What did I say? He goes, no. He said, you are perfectly fine. He said, he said, you looked at me and looked at my portfolio and you you said, do you want me to bullshit you or do you want me to tell you the truth? And I told him, and Mark said, I said, I want the truth. And you you went into me. He said, you got all the talent in the world. I can see from your pages you're all the talent in the world. But Mark Brooks at the time, and he still is manga influenced big yeah, time. Yeah. But back then it was just this manga riff the that you could style. see underneath it that he had talent, that he's really a lot tons better than 99% of the other people out there running around with their little portfolios. But it was so manga influenced, you couldn't see him in it. Right. And that's what I said. I said, look, I'm going to tell you what I think you... I said, and I told him that. I said, you know, I said, if you're going to be your own artist, you got to be your own self. I said, I'm going to tell you what I think you need to do, but I think you're probably too lazy to do it. He was probably 18, 19 at the time, you know, that sort of thing. And um, I said, what you need to do is stop drawing like this, because this isn't your culture. This isn't, you know, how... How you become your own artist. This is you aping a style, and you'll, as good as you are, you'll never look anything different than a gazillion other white people doing this here, and a billion other Asian people doing over there who, guess what, are better than you because it is their culture. Right. You know? And I'm not worried about cultural appropriation. I'm just saying if you want to be distinctive, you got to find your own voice. And I think you're too lazy to do it. <laughs> he said he went home and he couldn't sit at his desk. He's, I think it was. He's later told me it's less than a year and a half, but a year and a half sounds really good. But he said he couldn't draw for months. And finally he just said, fuck it. And he sat out and started drawing. And he says the best thing ever happened to him. So yeah, I don't want it's, his, a, it's a great piece. story. You know? I don't want his piece from Ultimate X-Men. Yeah, I like Mark. I like his stuff, period. And mm-hmm. he does a great cover art. Yep. Mark Brooke does. He really he's does. A, he's right? a hell of a good artist. He, he really is. is. Yeah, I'm kind of happy he's going back to interior. Doing now. some interiors. I'm glad Brian Stelfreeze is doing interiors. You know. Oh, he has some great work, man. He's terrific. He needs a needs to loosen up a little bit. His stuff's so tight his ass he can't shit. You know. But <laughs> so he's doing and I've told him this. He and I have had some good good discussions. I he's going to be a hero's con this year, I think. Yeah, the last time he did interiors was I think when he was doing Domino or something. I mean, years ago. I mean, and he did that because. He and I were in a car coming back from Charlotte. He had drove drove him back from Charlotte. And he and I, he and I got in a big discussion because he was just doing covers at the time. And the reason is because he's such a perfectionist, he just couldn't see himself getting the work out. And I just talked to him like, dude, even if you're even if you're getting it out faster than you want to be, and you know it's not right, ninety nine percent of the people out there will think it's great because they couldn't do it to save their lives. And if you want to be a professional that's what you gotta you know that's what you gotta learn to accept and you can do it cause you know and he did he did, he did quite a few interior things and he's, but, he's doing Black Panther now yes he's doing Black Panther right I'm now. really enjoying that book right now mm-hmm. the art even the storytelling is good mm-hmm. so, oh, he's a hell of an artist he, he, is, is. he is he is so I got another question is for is this here um, if a person is really wanting to get into the business which, which you, what should you tell them 
Yeah, they really want to get run, run. Uh, <laughs> um, you know this. It's so different than when I broke in. When I broke in, it was basically the main three companies. You, there were some independent companies out there and that sort of thing, but there wasn't the social media accessibility for everybody's artwork and everybody's. Now there's so much; it's almost it's almost a problem. It's right. hard to get yourself noticed. But um, you know, just. Do samples of your work. I mean, work for smaller publishers. The more work you do, the better you'll get. You know, along the line, you feel you're ready. Send samples in. You know, Marvel, DC, and, and Dark Horse. You know, and what are the other ones? Valiant. Image. They all look at. They're always looking for new artwork. And quite often, at big conventions, they have editors there who are doing who, who will do portfolio reviews with with the option of actually, you know, hey, we we'll keep an eye on you, or we'll maybe even hire you. That happens. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. They quite often have have scheduled portfolio reviews, you know, especially at the bigger cons. Um, hmm. And uh, but nowadays it's like you know self publishing, and uh, there's it's just it's just different, you know. And I totally agree because me, I mean, I'm in social media and everything like that, and it's everybody doing something. I mean, it's like the smaller independent doing comics, the majors doing the comics, everybody getting their stuff out there. And like you said, with the social media now. It's ninety percent of it's terrible. terrible. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, you because know, when you self-publish, it means yeah, because nobody's risking any money on you to, right. to publish your stuff, and which is kind of I almost feel bad for some of these guys because it's you know it's like you're really never gonna make any money at this because but you've got all your friends and all your buddies and you're self-publishing and you go to these little cons and you set up a booth and you know that's tough and I you know I respect the love for the game and everything but at some point you're gonna be a twenty seven year old guy like I was going you know. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to do this part time. I, I would still be an artist part, you know, if, if I was working full time doing something else. But and that's the thing. It's like just say you're a starving artist. You know, I want to get my art out there. And it's like you said, these guys set up the booth and everything. And you see these guys here. Then you see the guy, the majors. Mm-hmm. You know, Image, Marvel, DC. And, you got, and you a got, lot of the guys from the small booths end up at the, with the majors the if they're good. Yeah, but. You know, it is a you know, it's like any art form. It's hard to make a living out of it. If you want to make a living, you know, stay in school and become a chemist or an engineer or a or teacher a or neurosurgeon, a, huh? Or a neurosurgeon, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, you got a better chance of making a living in comics than you do being a pro football player. That's I mean, you know, yeah, or a that's basketball true. player or a baseball player. I mean, you got because it's all about discipline and sitting your ass at your desk and learning. But it's all about talent too. If you don't have the talent, you're not gonna anymore so yeah i wish i had the talent that you know when i was a kid my head was drawing little comic books and everything mm-hmm. i was drawing teenage mutant ninja turtles batman mm-hmm. and my dad had me in an art class but i never took it upon myself to stick with it mm-hmm. and um i think my, me personally i think i could have done better uh you got time for a story about you stuff know like i that? do mark well, i don't know i don't know how long this thing goes yeah, but uh it was back in the day when i was working uh, 80, 90 hours a week, and this was before, way before I knew you. And um, it was the mid '90s, probably. Well, I was lived in this subdivision in Georgia. The neighborhoods are called subdivisions, planned subdivisions. And uh, is it plantations? No, <laughs> subdivisions. <laughs> so uh, this guy he lived down the road, and he called me. Oh no, no, that wasn't him. This. This is something else. I'm sorry. I'm, I was mixing up my stories. This is a story. I, I was I was working at my desk, and I get a phone call, and it's some guy. And he's got this really distinctive Southern accent, and he, 
it is Mark Bagley, and he sounded very distinctively. I said, yeah, I says, hey, my name is so-and-so. I says, so-and-so's a friend of yours, and he knows who you are, and, you know, I, he says, you do comic books? I said, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> he says, well, you know, I, I kind of draw, too, and people tell me I cartoon really good. I'd kind of like to get into doing comic books. I said, okay, um, have you been into comic books? Do you? Have you, do you read them? Have you ever got, taken arts, art lessons or anything like that? He goes, no, not really, but, you know, I cartoon pretty good, so I thought maybe I could do it. I'm thinking, well, this is a guy. It's the only time I get pissed off at a con is when somebody shows up and they're an adult and they have no idea what kind of paper to work on, what size it should be, any fundamentals on perspective or anything like that. Right. So it's like, okay, I said, tell you what. I was doing Thunderbolts at the time, and it was full script, and it was a plot. I think it was plot, actually, which is even harder than full script because it didn't tell you each panel. It was right. just, you know, for a 22-page comic, I'd get like a six-page plot. And this is a team book, which is even harder because storytelling-wise, all that stuff. I said, tell you what I'll do. I said, give me your address. I will send you a script. And what I want to see from you is within a reasonable amount of time is four or five pages. I understand you're working and all that, you know, but four or five pages of comic art and you you know you can send me copies of it and i'll give you my critique on it and tell you what, what you know if i think you should work on it or whatever oh that'd be great mark <laughs> i knew i'd never hear from this guy again well i was wrong six months later roughly this is all you know, like i said this is 20 years right ago. six months later the phone rings and I recognized the voice. It was that distinctive. <laughs> Mark Bagley? I said, yeah. He says, hey, this is so-and-so. Yeah, hey, how you doing? He says, I'm doing good. I said, did you ever get that script? Well, I just called to tell you. I'm working on that. <laughs> I said, "I said you are? He says, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm working full-time, and, you know, it's kind of hard to get some stuff done. I said, well, you know, if you want to do comics for a living, you got to be able to do, at that time, you know, well, I told, told him this. We used to have to do this two or three pages a day. Right. At that point, you didn't have to anymore. Most books. He, he said, well, I understand that. I understand. I just want to let you know. I'm still working on it. <laughs> I said, that's good. You do that. So, like another six months or so passed. I didn't hear shit. And during that six-month time, I, a brother of mine was killed in a car accident. And, you know, the, my some other stuff happened. I mean, you know, yeah. but I was still doing working 80 hours a week. I was still cranking out a comic book and a half a month and that sort of thing. And uh, never missed a beat. And I didn't like my brother anyway, but uh, no, I'm kidding. I love, <laughs> I love Bob and I miss him. But um, phone rings again. Hey, Mark. Oh, hey, how are you? And at this point, I'm getting pissed. Right. I'm doing good. I just thought I'd call. How's those comic book pages coming? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I haven't quite gotten any. Said, Look, I said, what's your story? Why not? Well, you know, my mother-in-law died. <laughs> and I'm working full time. I said, look. And I, I let him have it. I said, look. I said, in the last year and a half, I've, this has happened, this has happened. Oh, and, oh, yeah, my brother died, who was 32 years old. I said, and I'm still doing two pages a day I said I don't want to hear from you again I don't want to hear any excuses and never heard from him again but uh, well another question is this when you decide to do your own comic book and everything do you really have to be the fan of that genre that comic book I mean of that art or just a person who just want to tell a story no because I went to a panel one time way back uh, 
I think it was AWA, and this guy had a book, and he said his favorite comic comic was Kevin and Hobbs. Mm-hmm. But to me, I thought it was just a, a comic strip. It's a comic strip. Yeah, and I said, no, that's not a comic book. That's a comic strip. Strip from the strip. And I say, do you really have to love comic books to order to make a comic book? No, I don't think so. I think, I think you should. I think. I think. I, me personally, I think you know the knowledge of. I think to have the knowledge of it, you have to love. It. You have to immerse yourself in it because right. it, because it's it's. It's not just the talent of drawing. There's the actual. I mean, there's guys who draw rings around me who can't tell a story to save their lives. You know, I've actually had people at Marvel and DC both uh, hazard the idea of me doing layouts for like five or six different books a month, sending the layouts to the artist because the artist couldn't tell the story in a lay to save their lives, but they could draw the shit out of it. You know. Um, and that's my point. I yeah. mean, you have the talent to do it, but as far as storytelling, yeah, you got to have respect for the, the the craft and the art form to, because it is a language. You know, it's a visual language, and uh, you can break those rules. But to break those rules, you got to know what the rules are to begin with. Right. You know, that was my one problem with the image guys. As talented as they are, most of them, you know, they broke the rules without caring about the rules, and, and I think it makes for a weaker. A weaker, the dumbest thing I ever heard was somebody said, you know, there needs to be an, a, a one focal image on every page. And I'm like, that's just horseshit. You know, what there needs to be is maybe every few pages something to go pop, you know, kind of get your attention, make you be visually interested in the book. But the rest of the time, the storytelling should do it. The actual story to do should do it. I totally agree. It's just, I mean, it's like watching a movie somewhat, you know. The storytelling. you got to have a good script for mm-hmm. a great movie. Mm-hmm. And the order to uh, get that out there is your actor, director got to have his vision, mm-hmm. you know, and it all works. Mm-hmm. And the same for comics, man. I mean, you got to have a good, got to have good storytelling, man. Mm-hmm. And the arts, and sometimes the art got to, you know, uh, correlate with the, um, yeah, the, well, the story. Sorry well, about that. <clears throat> well, it's like, you know, you, as an artist, you, you, you um, ideally, you want to be really into what you're drawing. I mean, you know, I've, I've worked on projects where I was just miserable and I just was getting the work done, you know, JLA. Um, you <laughs> yeah, know, I but you can see, you you can see the difference. You know, you weren't with me. I mean, I you was occasionally here. visited. I visited. I don't That's know right. how miserable but, you were. But, uh, you know, but... That's part of the deal is you're not always going to love what you're drawing, but you always do better work when you do love what you're drawing. You know, I mean, it's just the way it is. But that's the way, that's just like life, man. If you enjoy what you're doing, mm-hmm. you're going to do great work. Yeah. Well, it's like I turned down. I think they've got a carnage ongoing going right now with Jerry Conway mm-hmm. writing it, and I forget who's drawing it, but uh, they asked me to to draw it for. Oh, um, it's um, sorry, tap my fingers. <laughs> uh, can't remember his name right now because I'm tired. Um, they asked me to do it first because right. I created Carn the visual of, for Carnage anyway. But I I turned him down because this is before all new X Men because uh, I just that's not the kind of book I want to do. I, you know, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't fall in love with doing that kind of book because it's a horror book, dark and it's Carnage and it's just you know I want to do something that's you know visually more appealing to me and more interesting to me something that has humor and comedy and violence and you know, everything involved so I, that's why I turned that down you know, during your years um, which character was kind of hard to um, like really draw I hate drawing Carnage <laughs> if I'd have known I was going to have to draw him this much I'd have made him easier to draw and that's just because 
it's just hard to draw those swirls in that face I and mean, have any kind of emotion, have any kind of form to it at all, because the, the swirls in it tends to flatten everything. You know, there's characters that are hard to draw just because they're really, really complicated costumes, like, you know, Captain Britain or, what, Jack? Uh, Jack of Hearts? Jack of Hearts, yeah. You know, uh, there's, you know, or that sort of thing. But base, nine time, 99 times out of, out of 100, it's all the same thing. It's basically drawing is construction. It's visual construction, cones, cubes, tubes, whatever. You know, using your perspective and that sort of thing. And as long as I'll, I'll enjoy doing anything, as long as the stories are good. You know, and I've I've worked on projects where I love the characters, but I just the story was so goddamn lame that I just was like miserable working on it. And we won't say which projects those were. But uh, yeah, we're not going to say. No, we, we don't need to do that. No, because um, your fans are because I'm not Eric Larson. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to throw bombs at anybody. Um, That's not a bomb. And man. I like Eric. Eric's all right for <laughs> asshole. But uh, <laughs> kidding, it's a joke. But um, you know, it's, uh, it's. I think most artists will tell you that it's just as long as the stories are interesting to do that, they have more fun. You can tell when Jared's loving something and not loving it. You know, you can tell when you know. You can tell John Buscema loved draw- drawing Conan and wasn't too crazy about pretty much everything else he was drawing. So, you know. It goes the saying, you got to love what you do. It helps. You know, with good scripts, you know, and the artist is happy. Because I've seen you in action when you get a script and you show me a script. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I can't do this, right? This, this yeah. is stupid. <laughs> uh, but bottom line, a bad day for me is much better than most people's. Yeah. I mean, I you know, you're asking me how my day works. You know, I get up and... Usually about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'll put on some pants to go get the mail. Up until then, I'm in pajamas. And I'm so jealous. You've heard the story about, <laughs> so you've heard the, story about the bathrobe, right? Yeah, yeah, I think I have. You know, I don't do rush hour. I don't do, have to, you know, my dad once asked me, I said, how many hours a day you work? I said, 10 or 11. He goes, isn't that hard? He says, well, you know, it's an easy 10 or 11 because I don't drive an hour to work. I don't have to get up and spend 45 minutes getting ready for work, shower, shave, you know, dressed. I don't have to drive an hour to work, you know. I don't have to take an hour for lunch. I don't have to deal with traffic any, man. or bullshit in an office. You know, I'm at my desk. You know, if I want to take off in the afternoon, I take off in the afternoon. Then I work a little later at night, or I get up early the next morning. Um, so that's the upside. The downside is I'm kind of a recluse half the time. You know, I don't really like people, so that's not that bad. So why you got me talking to you right now, right? I never liked you. Wow, but, man! Um, Fifteen years, you still don't like me, huh? Well, Ask Donald Trump, hang around people who aren't, who aren't as successful as you are, because they'll think you're smart. And I'm like, shut up, <laughs> oh, whatever. idiot. But, um, you know, so it's like, yeah, I, back in the day, it was, yeah, I was, this was back when I really, just really first broke into, I was doing mainstream comics. I may have been doing Spider-Man at the time, but it was probably even before that. It's probably New Warriors time and uh, Thunder, yeah, New Warriors. And I was working 80 or 90 hours a week, and... Uh, Loving it, loving it, because like I said, I've had real jobs. I know what it's like to, you know, I live in Atlanta, man. Traffic is terrible around here. It is. But the house we lived in at the time was, uh, we had a driveway that dropped from the street down into the garage. My my studio was above the garage on the second floor, so my my studio was level with the street. It's oh, the old house that is over there now? No, the big house, no, it's the one before that. Oh, okay. And... um I've lived in like three houses within two miles of where we are right now. Um, and the bus stop was right at the top of my driveway <laughs> for the kids. My daughter was in. Angie was about eight, I think, nine. And um, 
so I had gotten into the habit, the bad habit of basically, you know, at the time I slept in my underwear, I think, and or maybe <laughs> commando, I'm not sure, but uh, no, I think guys, underwear or pajamas because. Angie crawled into bed with me once, and that was enough. I was like, "No, oh, you know, God. she's like, you know, ba- you know, one years old, and she crawls into bed, and your wife and I like, okay, starting to wear jammies now." But um, so I'm at my, de- you know, I got in this bad habit of just getting up and tossing on a bathrobe, you know, getting some coffee, coming upstairs, sitting at my desk and working with the lamp on and desk. And my desk was right at the front window, a couple double sized window right at the front dormer, and the bus stop was there, and the kids would be there at the bus, and I'm working. I did this for, I don't know, six months or so. And finally, Angie, who's always been very precocious, <laughs> not like PG, only not as funny, um, comes and Dad, said, yeah, you know those weird guys in the neighborhood people talk about? Yeah. You're starting to be one of them. Would you put some pants on? <laughs> and I've seen Angie telling you that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I started wearing sweatpants. <laughs> you know, I, I graduated from a bathrobe to sweatpants and a That's T-shirt, funny. you know. So That is funny. Cool. But now I've degenerated back into pajama pants until like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Which is good when the Jehovah Witnesses come around. They come to the door and I go, I'm, I'm in my jammies. I'm not comfortable talking to you people right now. Please go away. You know. That's cool. That's, you got know, a lot of stories, Mark. I do have stories. You got a lot of stories, man. I do have stories. But you know, I'm going to wrap this up. Yay! You know, I'm glad you um, came for this podcast. You know, I just am being Amos. You know, and I asked you about months ago. Actually, you came for the podcast. I'm at we're in my studio right now. Oh yeah, you're in the studio. Nice studio, guys. You should take a couple pictures. Take a and picture. Post them. Oh, I yeah. am. I really am. And um, I like to have my conversation with you, man. It's so funny, so funny. But, uh, but um, I'm glad you came. I showed up at your um, studio. I'm <laughs> glad I showed up. And um, it's going to be it. And um, I hope you guys enjoy this um, podcast. This is Just Being Amos, and I had Mark Bagley, the legend. Just Being Mark. Just Being Mark, the legend. He's uh, revered and renowned by many. I am. And they've never even seen me naked. <laughs> so I hope, I, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Peace. Peace out. Just being an